Hello, welcome to this week's Opening Bell Boxing News Podcast. I'm editor Tris Dixon, joined by my trusty sidekick, Matt Christie. Uh, Matt, how's it going? Okay, it's going all right. You're gradually, you're, you're just keeping it together this week. Just about, yeah, just, just, just about holding edge. it together. Yeah, just about holding it together. Um, so, um, I'm fine as well, thanks for asking. Um, we've got a, we've had a busy week out there. What are you working on right now out there? If I was to go and open up your computer, um, right now fine. it would be um, today's on this day, which has proved a popular uh, feature on the website, and I am um, looking back on um, Stanley Ketchell from 1909 fighting Philadelphia Jack O'Brien. Awesome. Okay. What have you learned about that fight yet? Um, I have learned that. Um, Jack O'Brien finished that fight on his back in a little, uh, with his head um, nestled in um, a little pool of resin. Okay, interesting times. So, <laughs> yeah, check that out online. <laughs> also online, um, there is um, plenty about the next fight of Amir Khan. He's signed to fight Luis Colazo on May 3rd on the Floyd Mayweather, Marcus Maidana undercard. Um, Matt, I mean, for me, it's it's a build-topping fight in its own right because I think it's a really good fight. There are some haters out there already. I've heard a few one-liners back in my direction on Twitter saying, joke fight, rah, rah, rah. Um, I think I think Amir's really got his hands full with Louis Colazzo. What What's your take on it? So when people are saying joke fight, they're saying it's an easy fight for Amir Khan. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I don't wish to want to cause too much offence to anybody, but where would they get that from, really? Maybe, maybe because Mosley's fast and and he had the least problems, perhaps, with Colazzo? Yeah, maybe. Um, but no, to me, it's I, th I think he's really, like you say, he's going to have his hands full. First fight at welterweight. Exactly. His first fight in 13 months. Um, Colazzo is coming off, arguably, the best win of his career against Victor Ortiz. Second round stoppage. Um, perhaps you could say Ortiz didn't have or he's never really had that taste for battle but particularly coming off a broken jaw you can perhaps argue that it wasn't quite as good as resort as it looks on paper initially but Ortiz really really got a bit between his teeth sorry um, Colazzo really got the bit between his teeth and he's going to give Khan he's going to give Khan a r he's going to be a real handful for Amir Khan I think you're right I really do see this as a proper banana skin. In fact, I've at this early stage, with everything that's gone on with Khan, with the improvements I've yet to see under Virgil Hunter, I might even start Colelzo as a very, very narrow favourite. How would you have it in terms of percentage? You know, would you have it 50-50 fights, 60-40 probably 70-30? 50 55-45 for Khan, I would say at the moment. I'd probably I'd probably favour I'd probably favour Khan because of the hold, you know, the, the hand speed and and everything else, and if he is disciplined, um, you can foresee a situation where he could win this one, you know, on points by you know three or four point margin. Um, but it's a tough one to call, and and people that are saying this this is easy for Amir Khan, and I'm not convinced they've been following boxing for the last few years. It's funny, isn't it? Because we get these things, we will get we'll get in terms. Of in fact, a comment on social media. Uh, a bit in the column this week, but it's funny if we if we endorse a fight, say that we are for Khan and Colazzo, which I think is a really good competitive fight, and you do it, 
people will then say, oh, they don't want to jeopardise their ringside seat. They don't want to piss off the promoters. Pardon my French. They don't want to upset people. They don't want to do this, that. And it's, it's just a matter of us calling it, calling it like we see it. I yeah. mean, I think Colazzo is a proper, proper handful. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. He really is, and he's proved it. He was what world WBA champion back in two thousand, two thousand six. Went off the boil a bit after he lost to Hatton and then um, Berto and Mosley. Um, but I remember he was he was kind of working his way back, and he was lost long way down the bill in Brooklyn. And um, in October twenty twelve, I think he was fighting a six or an eight rounder. But it was very clear to me that at that point that Clazo still had a lot left. Mm. Uh, very, very neat and tidy but boxer. after the hat fight, no one really, there wasn't a cure of people wanted to fight him, were there? Because it no. was a high-risk, low-reward fight. And and he's I always been that for people. Exactly. And I think he'd lost a 10-rounder to, to Freddy Hernandez, which was a bit of an upset at the yeah, time. And yeah. that almost seemed to signal the end. But after that, he did. You know, he went back to the bottom, really. And he's, he's worked his way back up. And he thoroughly deserves his shot on Amir Khan. And you can absolutely bet that he will be more up for this fight realizing that the end is probably closer than the start he'll be more up for this fight than any other fight he's had before and it's key to realize that he signed with with manager advisor guru extraordinaire yeah. al Heyman. yeah i mean al Heyman's not taking on guys to get them beaten or, or anything like that you know he's got a stable a massive stable of winners um and khan incidentally might be adding to that stable in the next few days we have to see you talk about earning chances um some people talk themselves into fights. There was a lot of people who said David Hay did that with Vladimir Klitschko. And it often works in this day of viral videos, social media and what have you. Um, and you talk about deserving chances. Who deserves a heavyweight title shot more than Shannon Briggs, <laughs> who last week struck Vladimir Klitschko with a shoe? Yeah, I mean, the only guy I can think more deserving of a, of a shot at, at Vladimir Klitschko than Shannon Briggs is, is smoking Burt Cooper. Well, <laughs> you've you've taken the wind out of my sails yeah. with that. I mean, I yeah. can't. I'll I'll take your your Burt Cooper and I'll raise you a touch of sleep, Devaro Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, all all deserving. Yeah, that would be a great rematch, wouldn't it? Klitschko Williamson too. So yeah, I mean, it's t talk to me about Shannon Briggs, Matt. Obviously, you've known Shannon a number of years. Um, loose cannon shaves his dreadlocks off. I uh, don't know if you know anything about that, obviously, despite having, although obviously you've seen the video. Um, you went and saw Shannon Briggs in hospital, I think, after he got smashed by Vitaly. Uh, talk to me a bit about Shannon Briggs and why he should or shouldn't fight Vladimir. Well, first of all, he shouldn't fight Vladimir. Um, he's Number one, he's got no business kind of calling Vladimir Klitschko out at the moment. Um, he's done nothing since he was he was beaten into hospital by by his brother three or four years ago, which was horrendously one-sided. Shannon was exceptionally brave, but he took a horrible pasting. Um, he will tell you that his arm was injured in the second round, which you know is probably true. Um, but since then, he's done. No he hasn't been active. He hasn't been active at all. Um, but Shannon is an engrossing character. Um, there's a lot of natural warmth. Um, from him um but he also you know and as he said to me i first met him in cardiff um <laughs> like you too <laughs> i first met him in cardiff and i remember him complimenting me on some some kind of crazy shorts i had on and that's how the kind of the conversation started um 
But, the th but as he said then, and I think it was around the time that the fight with Vitali had been confirmed, he says, I may not win these big fights, but I can certainly sell them. And that is basically, I think, what he's trying to do here. Um, he's trying to set up some kind of... It basically Talk himself into a pay there. Yeah, and already there is a little bit of interest now in, in Shannon Briggs again because of his antics. Um, when he goes around, he gets in people's faces and he's shouting and he's screaming. That's not... That's not the family man, Shannon Briggs. That is a character, I believe, that he kind of puts on to, to to secure these fights. But it's just too much. Fair enough. Even if he'd had four or five fights against nondescript opposition, he'd knock them all out. At least he would be an active fighter. He's not an active fighter now. He's planning on having a couple of fights next month, I think, like within a few days of each other. Yeah. But is he better than Alex Leopold? It's hard to say at the moment. I mean, my first impression after the Vitali Klitschko fight was that he needed to retire. He looked shot. That was three or four years ago. Um, time can heal a lot of things, but it certainly doesn't heal a boxer's decline. And I don't think that Shannon Briggs is um, is is the fighter he was. And the thing that the thing is, I've I enjoyed watching Shannon Briggs when he was at his peak. That I would say was was not even last decade. It was a decade before. Um, very much what might have been with Briggs in yeah, his career. Yeah, but you look at fights. You remember him coming through with Teddy Atlas? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And, and he was, he was, uh, I can't remember, was it Marion Wilson he lost to or something like that? Oh, Daryl Wilson. Daryl Wilson yeah. he lost to. <laughs> it's not one of your football Wilson. Played <laughs> 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 for Watford or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, but then, but the thing is, <laughs> but the thing is, Tony Wilson. <laughs> Danny Wilson. <yeah. laughs> the thing is, um, you look at you look at you look at Shannon Briggs and the one fight for me <laughs> You enjoy those, don't you? <laughs> the one fight for me is uh, the Sultan of Bragamov fight where he was he outweighed him by three or four stone, you know, he, he clearly the harder puncher and he barely could land a, a shot on him and he didn't even seem to want to get involved in that fight. To me, that is the point where where Shannon Briggs perhaps should have walked away from the sport. Talking about old American heavyweights, should, should, <laughs> should Daley Thompson, <laughs> should Tony Thompson walk away from the sport? I mean, he shouldn't, should he? He's, he's doing amazing things. He's, he's In his last, what, three or four fights, he's twice beaten David Price and now he's beaten Adlani Solis. Um, Tony Thompson... He won't get another fight with Vladimir, surely, because no one wants to see a third fight. But what's out there for Tony Thompson? What's a sensible fight for Tony Thompson to take? Well, I'm not sure now with Tony Thompson. I mean, I, w I would, if I was him, I'd kind of, as much as I don't like this in boxing, but fighters do do it, I'd kind of sit and, and, and maybe take a mark in time fight or two. Um, but he's, with this kind of WBC international title that he's won I mean this was almost sold as an eliminator as well and it's quite an interesting situation with the WBC in that you've got Steven and Ariola um, with an impending fight I think it's May 10th um, for the vacant title um, after that it looks like Deontay Wilder will get the first shot <coughs> and then after that Tony Thompson's in line do you know what the WBC should have done they should have they should have matched um, Wilder and Thompson and Ariola Steven and done it as a tournament yeah, that's interesting. The WBC still could order a Wilder Thompson, yeah, you know, eliminator. Which is a great fight for Wilder. I mean, and I'm not saying well, that as in a great career move, but it's, yeah. you know, if you want an acid test, then obviously you chuck him in with Tony Thompson, as we found out with David Price. Well, he's kind of he's he's he's, he's kind of 
he's that figure now in the heavyweight division, isn't he? I remember we were talking a few um, few months ago about who could Deontay Wilder fight, who could take him a few rounds. I remember when Mike Tyson was on the way up and he had like the likes of James Tillis, Jesse Ferguson, Mitch Green knocking around. And we were kind of a bit lost as to who Deontay Wilder could fight. Tony Thompson fits the bill perfectly. and But you could argue that he... Because I remember when he, after he'd beaten David Price twice and he's fought, then he fought Kubrat Pulev. And I thought, well, that's a bit of a meagre reward for for that, for, for fighting that. And he had to go over on away soil again. Um, I think Tony Thompson deserves a bit of a homecoming. But let's face it, he's not exactly Ricky Hatton in terms of in terms of his support, is he? No, and there's not really much interest in the heavyweight division in America either, is it? So I mean it's it's he's caught in a bad position where he's having to apply his had to apply his trade overseas, but now he's in a spot where you know, big fights that could happen in America for him now because the, the wheels are turning, aren't they, a little bit yeah. for him. So it'd be interesting to see where he goes. Um what did you make of the press conference last week where Tyson Fury flipped over the table and, and then stormed out against Derek Chisora. Does that, you know, we, we, we've taken things at face value a lot of the time with press conferences. You know, I think we talked about it last week. I don't necessarily think that Frotch shoving Groves did, did, did Frotch any harm in that, mm. in the sense that he didn't come across intimidated or overawed. He told him where to go and was quite mm. firm about mm. it. And I think that was, um, I'm not saying it was the right thing to do, but I don't think it, it I don't think Groves got in his head in the, you know, I don't think he particularly upset him the way that he wanted to upset him. Um, but Tyson Fury flipping a table and walking out against Derek Chisora, is that 1-0 Chisora? Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think with this, let's just keep it still a bit of a stalemate, really. I th- it was just a bit ridiculous. It was all a little bit contrived. Um, it it just didn't, didn't sit right with me. Tyson Fury didn't look particularly angry or anything else he just was like right okay I'm just going to flip this table over because I can and off he went and you know I understand why why the you know temperatures are quite quite high at these things Derek Chisora by all accounts turned up late um and but to me it was it was nothing like the frotch the frotch grove skirmish which I think was genuine um whereas this fury Chisora thing kind of had an air of premeditation about it to me Okay, interesting. Have you have you spoken to any fighters this week? Um, have I? Don't think so. Interesting. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I have. Better go out there and do some work. <laughs> I don't think I have. No, the only reason I asked that is I just got off the phone with um, Carl Frampton previewing his fight for next week, and mm. I know we can discuss that nearer the time, but. Um, it's actually made me really excited about the fight going out to Belfast. Not that I wasn't excited before, but I think a the atmosphere is extraordinary out there, um, and b I think Kazara's. I don't know if Carl's done a job hyping him up to me, <laughs> uh, but I think it's going to be a tougher fight than I thought it was going to be. And it, Carl's already said it's going to be his toughest test to date. I'm not sure it is, but um, I think it's a good fight. I really do. It's a decent, yeah. It's a decent test for him, I think. Though this, I think you've Frampton. I can understand why people, because he looks, he he looks like he's on, he's on the decline, and you could. He's smaller. He's older. And with the except, and really, you, you, th- we thought that Kiko Martinez was on the slide until what happened subsequently. Um, but also, I mean, who's who, Steve Molitor as well? It's kind of another, another fight in that mold. But ultimately, 
Um, these are the steps that these are the natural steps that happen in boxing as you're progressing towards Remember the Remember, we top. had it with Naz, with Tom Boom Boom, Boom Johnson, Bungu, or the, you know, a yeah. number of guys that came over slightly past their peak. Yeah. But you learn the prospect goes through them, and yeah. you know, had had it with Vince Phillips, Ben Tacky, yeah. those guys. Yeah, yeah, and, and Barry McGuigan, obviously Frampton's mentor, had it with with Juan Laporte, and yeah, so it's it's very much you often as you as you're walking up the steps towards the top, you meet the people that are coming down, and that's just what happens in boxing. It's always always the way. Okay, um, talking Frampton last week, Kid Galahad was back in action, uh, impressing as he won the European title. Um, Galahad is he in the mix now? Now as we speak with Frampton and Quig. Um, he hasn't. Or is he twelve months behind? I would say he's. I would say he's behind. Um, I mean, skill-wise, I would say he could probably compete with both of those guys. But as for what he's actually accomplished in the ring, and in terms of deserving to be in world top tens or fighting for world titles, he's still quite a way behind those two. Um, I was impressed with 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 Kid Galahad at the weekend. Um, very nice fighter, um, puts his, his shots together well, good technician, you know, uses the ring well. Um, I think the only question mark is his punching power. Okay, interesting. And with the, with the way that he fires shots, sometimes he's got a gamble to load up as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Which leaves him open sometimes. But Sergio Prado, game in great shape, yeah. tough. Um, Gave him, gave gave Galahad the rounds and gave him some good exposure on Channel Five. And from an exposure standpoint, he's certainly not lacking, is he, Galahad? Because he's getting big audiences on Channel Five. Well, this is it. Yeah, people forget that really. I mean, I, th I th when, and when I say people, I mean like boxing fans. I think they forget that these guys, when they're on Channel Five, they're they're such a a bigger audience than than the people that we deem to be better better known that are just performing on Sky and and, and Box Nation. Um. Interest not not interestingly for me, I um, got a prediction wrong last week. Uh, I thought Danny McIntosh would beat Travis Dickinson in some way, shape, or form. Mm. It didn't happen. Travis Dickinson got Danny out there in three rounds. It was a hard fight to call. It wasn't just me, was it? I thought I thought Travis Dickinson would probably win in about three rounds. Um, but you know that was that's just me, you know. But no, no, it was. It was a pick and fight, wasn't it? It was a pick and fight. I think so, but you had Danny's experience against Travis's ambition. Danny's been more enigmatic, but he's you know he's also been a European champion. Travis has been a bit more consistent, but then also he's he's lost too. So it's, it was a difficult fight to weigh up, but very very good win for Travis Dickinson nonetheless. And the Maxi Nutrition Tournament rolls on, and I'm all for these new events, new 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 um, new formats. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it's good the way because it's been two Saturdays in succession, hasn't it? That, yeah, um, it's worked well. And then they were both entertaining shows. Speaking of predictions, I got I got Adlania Soris wrong. I, I picked him to beat Thompson. Again, ironically, again. ironically saying that I thought Soris's work rate would be superior to Thompson's. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah, that's not ideal, but um, still, yeah, I, but then that was a very, very hard fight to call. I remember speaking to uh, Danny Flexen about that fight last weekend, and I was glad that you took on the preview, to be honest, cause I didn't know who I'd pick in that one. I probably would have gone for Thompson on points, <laughs> um, but, you know, let's leave it there. Uh, interesting feature by Don McRae with John Murray this week. Um, Murray looking forward to his fight with Crawler. Uh, 
Matt, potential domestic fight of the year? Yeah, it's one of those, isn't it? You th it's one of those fights that you're very rarely wrong when beforehand you think it's going to be really, really entertaining. And this is this is one of those fights. This is one of those fights. I doubt it's going to finish early. Um, I think it's going to be a punishing fight. Um, and when you've got friends in the ring, um, very often that such ferocious encounters. Think back to, was it Simon Brown, Morris Blocker? He's the first one that comes to mind. Um, and they, they, you know, they had a hellacious fight. I we think went 14 rounds, um, and it seems to sharpen the needle somewhat, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, I spoke to Frampton, as I said. I also spoke to Andre Ward this week. Had a really, really interesting long conversation with him for a feature that's going in uh, in a fortnight's time. Uh, we've got an interesting behind-the-scenes feature of Andy Lee in next week's magazine. Uh, this current week as I said we've got um, a feature by Don McRae with John Murray um, some fascinating stuff in there from from Murray who talks about his failed brain scan uh, and much more besides going into the Corolla rivalry um, there's also the big preview for the fight between Stuart Hall and Martin Ward um, I've given a bit of the backstory in there I think both fighters have alluded to it being them being not the top two fighters in the world uh, despite fighting for the IBF title I think they've both been very honest about that. Um, but I still think Styles make fights and all the rest of it. And I think it could be a, a really, really good fight. Provided Martin Ward doesn't have negative tactics and sort of just aims to keep things long on box and move. And I'm not sure he has the power to keep Stuart Hall at bay anyway. But I think it could be a really good fight, Matt. I agree. I think it could be a good fight. I think it will be a good fight. I think people, if this was made for... Um, a British title or something like that, there'd be absolutely no criticism with this fight whatsoever. Um, but ultimately, kind of my viewpoint on the whole on the whole thing is, you know, this is boxing. It's not the first time. It's not the last that, that two two fighters who really are not in the top five or even in the top ten will fight for a world title. It's happened. Well, look at Ariola and Stavern. Exactly. They're like the and American and Haitian counterparts. Yeah. So let's let, let let's really just be be happy for Stewie Hall. Martin Ward's got this opportunity um, that he probably wouldn't have received. Well, he definitely wouldn't have received if Stewie Hall wasn't the champion. Let's just get on board and let's enjoy it, you know, and take it for what it is. It's going to be a good fight. Okay. Um, some big moves in America this week. We talk about Al Heyman becoming uh, all-powerful. He signed recently Adonis Stevenson, light heavyweight. Mm. Seems that Sergei Kovalev's going to be left without a dance partner now because Stevenson's on his way over to Showtime. Uh, Kovalev's fighting Cedric Agnew this weekend. He's not a massive name opponent. It was basically an idea, I think, to keep Kovalev busy while the Stevenson eyes and T's yeah. were dotted and crossed. Now that's not going to happen, but are you looking forward to seeing Kovalev again? I am. I'm completely underwhelmed by the opponent. Um, Kovalev, for me, is he was, he was a revelation last year. The guy's 26-0 with 13 stoppages, Cedric Agnew. Yeah, yeah, I'm still, I'm, um, you know, what was, what was cleverly. And what's you know, the record anyway? Exactly. So, um, you know, it's always, it's always exciting to see, to see someone like Kovalev in action. It's always, you know, like it is with Golovkin and, and to, to a lesser extent, Deontay Wilder. When you see, when these guys get in the ring, you're expecting a knockout and it's generally, and it generally comes and it's generally fairly exciting, but also what these guys need is a bit of resistance and I'm not convinced he's going to get it this weekend. 
Okay, interesting stuff. Cracking fight on the undercard, by the way, there. Um, Kareem May- Mayfield against uh, Thomas DeLorme. Yeah, yeah. Really like yeah. the look of that fight. Uh, evenly matched prospects. Uh, DeLorme was a one-time boxing news hot prospect. Has lost and is trying to find his way back, uh, back on top. Um, what else have we got online at the minute, then? Um, well, it's, it's packed. It's packed. There's all sorts of things we're kind of putting up online at the moment. We're trying to keep it. You know, we'll try and react and create news predominantly. Um, but, um, you know, there's things like Heroes and Villains, which have been popular, which we spoke about on here before, on this day. Um, so, yeah, yeah, check out the website. But there is there's an interesting, and I know people out there love him or hate him, but there's a nice blog this week from Mickey Van where he pays his respects to Mickey Duff and he tells quite an interesting tale in that... Um, He's when he first met his his girlfriend, who is now his wife, um, Mickey Van. This is Mickey Van I'm talking about, and um, his girlfriend, you know, kind of broke the news to a mom who had no interest in boxing, didn't know anything about boxing. Um, that yeah, I'm going out with someone called Mickey, and he's he's, he's he works in boxing, and his mom apparently turned around and said, "Oh, you're going out with Mickey Duff," um, and Mickey Van's kind of kind of basically said, you know, that tells it all about Mickey Duff. Even though she didn't like boxing, she knew who Mickey Duff was. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I was at Mickey's funeral yesterday, which was a sad day. Um, not too many familiar faces there. I think it was all quite a short notice affair uh, in the end. Um, but undoubtedly one of the icons of British boxing um, has gone. Uh, I remember my first meeting with Mickey. I think it was in 2000 at the Boxing Hall of Fame in New York, and I was there with uh, Matthew Saad Mohammed, the former WBC light heavyweight champion of the world. And Matthew saw Mickey Duff and walked over to him and pointed to his chin and stuck his chin out and said, go on then, Mickey, finally I'll let you get one up on me. Because Matthew had turned back the challenges of John Conti twice, Lottie Mwali. I think there might have been one or two others that Mickey was involved with trying to get, yeah. trying to beat Matthew. I'm not sure it wasn't, Maybe Lewis Pago, he might have been behind, I can't remember, but certainly twice Conti and once Lottie Wiley out of Matthew's eight defences, I think. That, that's three of them that Mickey was trying to plot his downfall for. So they enjoyed that sort of light-hearted moment and uh, it was a sort of nice little off-camera thing. That, it's that camaraderie that you get in boxing, even though Mickey didn't make his name as a fighter, although I understand he was a very good boxer in his teens. Um you know, it's the sort. It's that kind of, it's that, that kind of brotherhood that you get, and um, that moment always stands out very well to me. Obviously, Mickey was in poorer health as the as the years tick by, um, but undoubtedly a sad, sad loss for British boxing. Um, on a slightly more positive note, Matt, a much more positive note. Um, give me some predictions for some fights. Any any fights in particular? Yeah, let me let me let me let me think. Um, price up, if you will. Frampton Cazares. Uh, I would make Frampton f- four to one favorite. Okay, we'll revisit this one obviously nearer the time. But price up, Pacquiao Bradley. In fact, we might not. Is this going to be our last one before you go out to that? What's the date today? It's the 26th, I think. 26th? No, 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 no. Because we've got the week after next. Okay. Yeah, the week after next. So, yeah, price up that. 
Uh, it's a difficult one. I would say Pacquiao would be a narrow favourite. Uh, seven to four. Interesting. Uh, Pacquiao's four to seven on, Bradley seven to ten. Right, okay. So Pacquiao the favourite. Yeah. Um, Hopkins Shumanov, April nineteenth. Daniel Herbert's going out there for us. I reckon Hopkins would be a two to one favourite. He's four to nine on, so he's quite a, he's quite a heavy favourite against Shumanov, who's seven to four. So yeah. t- it's, I think that's Hopkins is his toughest fight in a little while though. Uh, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if this this is where you well, you say mind you, he's, he's got to his age now where you say it with every fight, don't you? But Shumanov, I think, is a more dangerous opponent than um Tavoris Cloud was, for example, and Caro Murat was. Um and time time has ticked on in since those fights since those fights took place. Forty nine so now, forty nine. Yes, yeah, just unification fight of forty nine. It's incredible. It's incredible, but I do fear that Hopkins will be beaten rather than rather than walk away. Okay, and then just in closing, I know we're a little way away from it yet, but Maidana Mayweather, we haven't discussed that fight properly yet. Uh, we've obviously discussed the whys and wherefores of the pole and all the rest of it, but how big an underdog have you got, Maidana? Um, he's he's got to be ten to one. Ozchek and the average have them at eight to one, the best prices, which actually is the same price as a fight that was recently made. Keith Thurman and Julio Diaz. At Julio Diaz eight to one outsider against Keith Thurman. Right, yeah. She's probably about right though. Diaz yeah. is sort of filling yeah. that mould as as the opponent. I think he had his turn back the clock performance with Sean Porter a couple of years ago, didn't he? Where he snatched a draw. Yeah, did okay against Khan as well, didn't he? He did, but then, you know, was Khan motivated, was his head in the yeah. fight? It's, it's hard to tell, isn't it? But yeah, f- to be fair, Thurman, though, does look to be a very, very good, solid prospect, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 certainly welcome addition to that mix as well. I will say, actually, I, I didn't want to end on a downer, so I'll, I, but I do want to talk a bit, a little bit more about Mickey Duff, just to say, really, that um, we have an excellent obituary in this week's issue, written by Bob Mee, who... Um, knew Mickey well because he he uh, ghost wrote his autobiography with him. So uh, for the real sort of definitive obituary on Mickey, then I'd definitely say pick up the latest issue to see um, see what Mickey was all about and what he did in his in his time in the sport in, of boxing. Uh, sorry, Matt, just in closing, because I didn't want that to be a, a negative, you got a feature this week with uh, Maurizio Suleiman. Yeah. When people have finished reading that, will they be confident that, that new life will be pumped into the into the old governing body that is the WBC? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how can I end this on a positive note? Uh, no, I mean, there's, there's certain there are certain positive things there, um, but it's and there are kind of initiatives that they're looking to bring in, but I think it's. It's the way that certain questions are answered um, that will frustrate readers. The problem with the problem with this, with the problem with this as well, is that readers will will go into this already a little bit aggravated, a little bit annoyed by the WBC 
and at the first mention of something, it's likely to tip them over the edge, so they all end up reading the whole thing in a rage, if you know what I'm saying. It's not, it's not going to be all bright and breezy and this is a new day and everything else. At the end of the day, he's taken over from his father. He loved his father very much. Um, people have different opinions on, on, on Jose Suleiman's impact on the sport, be it positive or negative or, or neither. Um, but Mauricio Suleiman isn't about to publicly start saying he's going to do things completely differently to his father when, when he died just a, a few months ago. Okay, interesting stuff. All right, Matt, well, on that uh, indifferent note, <laughs> <laughs> we will leave you all to it. Thanks a lot for joining in. Uh, please don't forget to uh, pick up this week's issue. Um, stuff about, uh, obviously, the Mickey Duff obituary. We've got the Hall Ward preview that I've done. We've got Tony Thompson report from Turkey. Uh, we've got all about Khan Colazzo. We've got that big John Murray feature. Uh, John Denon, interestingly, has gone circuit training with Cal Yafai. Um, he just about lived to tell the tale and write the report. Uh, and actually, in this issue, I've um, uh, done something I haven't done too often through the career of Amir Khan, but in my column, I've come to the defense of Amir Khan. And uh, not before time, I think. The guy deserves a break um, to an extent. Uh, on that slightly more positive note, mm -hmm. I'll leave you to it. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, and we will be back next week. Thank you for watching and listening, and remember to subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the like button on Facebook. Comment or write a review on iTunes or Google Play. It only takes a minute, and it does loads to help us produce shows like these.